you brought your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to a familiar passage, John 3, and we're going to look at a verse there. And while you're turning, let me read this card. Um, it says, thanks so much for the beautiful Afghan and all your prayers during this hard time for our family. Your love and kindness are truly a blessing to us. And this is from the Earl Quillen family. Selena Douthat's uh, grandfather passed away recently. And so remember, continue to pray for uh, uh, the Quillen family, if you would. Well, today, February the 14th, is recognized as Valentine's Day. And so uh, it's kind of an exciting day, exciting day to, to celebrate. I was uh, looking up some things in regards to Valentine's Day, and something I found interesting was Americans began to exchange homemade Valentine cards in the early 1700s. Been given cards for a long time. In 1840, a lady by the name of Esther Howland uh, began to sell the first mass production of uh, Valentines in America. She just made these out of scraps of cloth that she had and lace, and she would write uh, notes on these uh, cards, and she began to sell uh, Valentine cards or Valentines. Uh, she's known as the mother of Valentine's. Now, according to the Greeting Card Association, I didn't know this, but there's an, there's an estimation that there will be one billion cards sent out each year on, valen on Valentine's. This is the second largest time that people send cards. The first being Christmas, and there's one billion and a half sent out at Christmas. So that's quite quite interesting. So this is Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's. And with that in mind, I, I was thinking about a verse that would be fitting for today, and of course, John 3.16 came to mind, because I believe with all my heart that God has placed inside every person the emotion of love, and along with that emotion, the desire not only to love, but to be loved. And so this morning, I want us to look at the greatest text, perhaps, in the entire Bible on love. Uh, this verse, no doubt, was the first verse that, that many of us uh, memorized, we learned. Uh, first verse we ever memorized, first verse we ever learned. It'll probably be the last verse that uh, we'll ever forget. It's a verse that's brought... Thousands and thousands and thousands, multitudes to Christ. Uh, it's been described by Martin Luther as the Bible in miniature. Described by A.T. Robinson uh, as the little gospel. Someone has described John 3.16 as the Mount Everest of Scripture. Someone else described John 3.16 as the gospel in a nutshell. F.W. Borham calls it everybody's text. And the verse is so simple that even a small child can understand it. John 3.16 is also known and described as an inexhaustible text. Um, Dwight L. Moody invited a friend of his, Henry Moorhead, 
to come and preach at his church in Chicago at, uh, in his absence. Moorhead came. Moody returned a few days later, discovered that, that Moorhead had, had preached several nights uh, there at his church, not just one time, but several nights. And, and the crowds continued to get larger and larger and larger. And Moorhead had used John 3.16 as his text. And Henry Moorhead started preaching at the age of 16. He died an early age of 33. And his text for every sermon that he preached his entire life for 17 years was John 3.16. Every text, John 3.16, different sermons, but the same text. And so his sermons were different, but his text was the same. So John 3.16 is an inexhaustible text because it's about the love of God. Now, is there anyone who can explain the love of God? That's something that just mystifies everyone. There was a, there was a hymn that, uh, that came out years ago, and our choir has sung, has sung this hymn, and it's by F.M. Lehman, and the title of it is The Love of God. Listen to this just a moment. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Think how much ink that would be. And were the skies a parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Inexhaustible. God's love is indescribable, and it's inexhaustible. And so this Valentine's Day, I want us to look at perhaps the most cherished verse, if there could be one, in the Word of God, and that's John 3.16. Stand with me just for a moment, and we're going to uh, quote this verse together, read this verse together. If you would, read with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, and please be seated. As we look at this verse, the more I studied this verse this week, um, um, it was just more than I could handle. I'm not going to be able to go in depth in the entire verse. I, I feel if Moorhead preached 17 years on the verse... I'm not going to be able to handle the entire verse uh, in one setting. But I want to share with you just John 3.16, perhaps some, uh, some thoughts that you've never looked at before as God shared them with me. First of all, I want you to notice that God's love is global. God's love is global. For God so loved the world. Now, he uses the word love there. And you're well aware, perhaps, if you've attended church here for any time, that 
that I've taught from time to time, the different types of love that's used in the Greek. There's three Greek words for, for love, but the word used here is agape. Agape, that's a self-sacrificing love. So God so loved the world. That's a self-sacrificing type of love. For God loved agape. That's a spiritual love. A spiritual love. It's a love that, that desires to give. For God so agape the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, the word agape, that love, is a giving love. Willing to sacrifice, a self-sacrifice. It's a love not based on a person, person's worthiness. It's a love not based on the worthiness of the object, but on the character of one that's loving. So the object of God's love has nothing to do with His love. Regardless how, how bad you might consider yourself, or how terrible, how much a sinner you consider yourself... God's love towards you is not based on your worthiness. It's based on His character. God is love. That's His character. So the origin of agape love, the origin of spiritual love is God. You see, you can trace love back to its source. A God who loves like our God loves was unheard of in in the pagan world. Now, the pagans during the time of Christ and before and since then had all, their, had all types of gods. There were a number of pagan gods. They had all kinds of gods. They had God, peaceful gods, and they had fighting gods, and they had lazy gods, and they had lustful gods. They had all these gods, but they never did say that they had any god that was a god of love. That was foreign to them. And so our God, love is traced back to the source, a God who loves like our God loves was unheard of during the pagan time. But notice what he says. He says, for God. That word for is a real important word. It's a definite article, meaning a definite article is used in the Greek also gives definiteness to the term. Definiteness to the term. For God, for God, the God, which God? The only God there is, for God. It's a definite article. There's none other. It's just Him. And so God, our God, the only God, the only God that exists, the only God there is, this God so loved. And so the fundamental assertion about God of the Bible is that He's a God of love. For God, the only God, which God, the only God there is, loved. 1 John 4, 8 says God is the God of love. God is love. Now notice uh, the overflow of God's love for, for God, the God, the only God there is, so loved the world so is a real important word. So, it emphasizes God's eternal, God's consistent, total love. For God so loved. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, God's word says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. For God so loved an eternal love, a consistent love, a constant love, a total love. 
That's the love that comes from God. Different from all others. He's a God of love, an everlasting love. Someone has defined it, uh, Robinson may have defined it, as uh, a, a, a love beyond the vanishing point. It goes beyond the vanishing point. Continues on and on and on. You know, there was a time that you began to love your mate. There was a time that you began to love your, your children. Now, Judy and I met the uh, first time when we were in uh, college at Northwest back in 1969, late 69, perhaps. Um, that's, that's when we met. And I can remember the night that, uh, that I said, I love you. There was a time that we began to love our mate. And then when our children came alone, before our children came, but then when our children came, we loved them. There was a time that we love our mate. There was a time that we began to love our children. But there was never a time that God began to love you. He has always loved you. Always. Eternity past, eternity present, eternity in the future. His love is eternal. It's constant. It's total love. Everlasting love. For God so loved the world. God's love reaches to eternity past, even before you or before I was even born. So remember that, whether you're a lost uh, here this morning, where you're, you're saved, there'll never be a time that God did not love you, and there'll, be, there'll never be a time that God ceases to love you. For God so loved. The world. He will love you when heavens roll back in the skies. He'll love you when the, when the stars fall from heaven like a chunk of coal. He'll still love you. For God, the God, the only God, so loved, eternally, constant, He loved the world. Now, when He uses the word world, He uses a word called cosmos. Cosmos, cosmos, it's, it's, it's not a planet per se used here. A.T. Robinson, in, in Robinson's word study, I hope you have a set of word study, uh, a library with word study books, different volumes, perhaps. But Robinson says uh, the word world is most often refers to the realm where human beings live. It's not a planet. He doesn't love a planet. He created the planet. But he loves the realm. He loves where the humans live. Most often, Robinson said, it refers to people who live on the world. Robinson said in his word study, it means the whole human race. Robinson said it refers to the sum total of all people. God just doesn't love some. God loves all. For God so loved all people, the world. And so to our Calvinist friends, we've been studying Calvinism on Sunday night, and we're in, in week uh, seven, I believe, tonight. To our Calvinist friends, there's no hint whatsoever in John 3.16 that the word world refers only to the world of the elect. But it refers to all people everywhere. Here's the point. God does not just love the elect, but God loves everyone. For God so loved the world, those that own the world, that are upon the world, upon the earth, 
that he gave his only begotten son. So God loves all people. He loves all people. He loves Americans, but he loves all nations. He loves not just white people, but he loves all races. Uh, the song we sang in Bible school, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Black, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. For God so loved the world, all people. Now, what kind of world is it? Well, it's full of people, but what kind of people are they? 1 John 5, verse 19 says this whole world is, is wicked. We live in a wicked world, and we know that we're of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. That's the kind of world we live in. I don't have to tell you what kind of world we live in. You're well aware of the world we live in. Romans 3.19 says the whole world is, is guilty before God. Evangelist Jesse Henley says only God could love a human being. Imagine that. Think how wicked, think we're all sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. And, and think how wicked the human, the human soul is. The human mind and what all it can develop. Henley said, only God could love a human. So how can God love a sinful world like ours? Well, the answer is God's love is not conditioned by the, world, the worthiness of the person that receives it, but by the character of the one that's doing the loving. And that's so important. God's love. It reaches out to everyone. Galatians 2.20. One of my favorite verses just simply says this. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let that sink in. God loves me. As vile, as sinful as I am, God loves me. You know, years ago there was a song, I looked in several hymn books uh, trying to find this hymn for this morning. Uh, but I couldn't find it. But the verse goes this way. I'm so glad that our Father in heaven tells of His love in the book that he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. And then it breaks out into a refrain. And it says, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Remember it? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Even me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, Jesus loves me. He loves Eddie and Terry and Brother Ralph and Tommy and Brenda and Rayburn and Sue and David. And he loves you. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves you?
The point is the world outside these walls need to know that Jesus loves them individually, personally. So please remember, whomever you see, whomever you meet, wherever you go, that person you meet, that person you see, is loved by God. Now they may brush you the wrong way, but you better remember, they're loved by God. For God so loved the world. Now, I'm not going to have time to finish the other three points, but I'll, I'll briefly give you the points. And maybe I'll address them some other time. Point number two, for God so loved the world that he gave. His love is sacrificial. His love is sacrificial. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, his love is personal. Point number three, his love is personal. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Point number four, God's love is everlasting. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Spire heads together. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come together this morning, open your word, and Father, just read the sweetest verse that we've ever memorized. And Lord, it's been described beautifully by different people. And we see, the, it, it, we see the meaning of that verse. Lord, as we see the love that you have for mankind. We thank you that, that your love is a sacrificial love. That you are willing to give your son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And for anyone, for all, who would put their faith and trust in Him, ask Him to forgive them and to come into their life and save them. His promise to them is eternal life. Life forevermore. Thank you for that promise that we have today. Now, Father, as we end our thought about Your love, help us, Father, we pray, to, to be able to communicate that love to others that we see wherever they may be, whomever we may be speaking to, help us to be able to share with them that God loves them. And so, Father, I pray that we'll share what we've heard today. And Father, in our time of invitation, speak to hearts, I pray, and decisions that need to be made. And Father, again, thank you for loving us. Although we're unworthy, but Father, it's your character that reaches out in the love that you have. Thank you for, for loving us. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.